0: Welcome to Shall We Watch? I am your host, Taylor, and joining me is my husband, Daniel.
1: Hi, everyone. I I was just telling her before we started that we're recording right in time for my nightly allergies to kick in. So (laughs) I normally, I promise, don't sound this nasally. I, I say that probably people who listen that know me will tell me that I often do sound this nasally. But um,
0: Yeah, we're uh, we, we're experiencing some of the uh, Santa Ana winds of Southern California, if any of y'all are listeners of that. And you can definitely understand why Daniel is experiencing allergies right now. It's
1: not even that windy. I, I just, I don't know. Breezy. I don't recall ever having this problem this late in the season, nor this frequently. And maybe it's because we often sit by like this open window because maybe. I like to get the night air. Mm-hmm. But um,
0: maybe you're just getting old.
1: I don't think that's a maybe. I, I think it's a definitely, you know, we, <laughs> I am older than I once was and younger than I'll be. Very true. To quote uh, Paul Simon.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um, so today's episode, we're going to be talking about our, probably our favorite horror movie, um, The Exorcist.
1: Yeah, you know, we were, we were going, we, in the last episode, I think we talked about our next podcast is going to be about another Exorcist movie called The Exorcist Believer um and that is not (laughs) what we're talking about today
0: no um daniel was joking around saying that we aren't going to go see it because of the reviews um which you know partially might be true but it's just that life's just kind of getting in the way and we're busy with work we're busy with our baby and yeah so we figured we'll also talk we'll just talk about um the original movie the og exorcist and yeah
1: did you want to touch on a little bit the fact that you know this podcast name has changed?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you probably maybe some of you are diehard fans out there may have noticed that we changed um, our name from One Ticket 4 to Shall We Watch. Um, it just kind of made a little more sense um, after talking about it. Um, instead of having like a section of the podcast where it's like an extension of the One Ticket 4 podcast where we're talking about movies that we're seeing at home versus movies that we're individually going and seeing in theaters um shall we watch this kind of covers both of those genres so it just made more sense to call it that
1: yeah we hired a marketing consultancy um and they advised us that our branding was very confusing and would ultimately be a limiting (laughs) factor to our success and so uh, we decided to take their counsel and simplify by just sticking with shall we watch
0: yeah i feel like since we started this podcast, I mean, we don't even have 10 episodes yet. And we're already going through so many marketing changes.
1: Yeah, we started off. I mean, this this started off, I think, as like a... Weren't we trying to do novels and, and graphic novels and such? And then eventually evolved into video games. And now we're back to movies because LARPing. video games take too long. LARPing? Is that <laughs> live action role playing? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever... Have I ever... I mean, I guess Ren Faire is does that count? I would say so. I've gone to a couple of those. Yeah,
0: you have. Yeah. because I dragged. Yeah, you because there. of you. I mean,
1: I, I had fun. I I used to enjoy dressing up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're just getting old, man. <laughs> and two stabs of being old
1: once. Once again, <laughs> older than I once was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that that's the name now. So you know, you can throw those old bumper stickers out. No need to rep the one ticket four anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's uh let's talk about The Exorcist. So, why don't you talk about like why you love this movie so much?
1: I like green bile. <laughs> There's something about it that it's I find very endearing. Wasn't
0: um, it like split pea soup?
1: Yeah, which I don't like, ironically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, but um, no, I mean, I this has been. I think this is the first really scary movie I saw in my life. Again, mm-hmm. I, I think I've, I've talked about this on the podcast before. Um, but I think I maybe was eight, not eight, maybe 10 or so. I remember renting this movie on VHS from talk about old, uh, from a <laughs> local video store. It wasn't even like a blockbuster. Um, it was called tempo and it just truly petrified me mm-hmm. to the point where to the point where I, I wasn't able to sleep, you know, and that's never happened. Obviously that's because of my age. Uh, i have seeing it at the time, but it was incredibly affecting and it still somewhat has that effect on me. Um, it's just been something that I've revisited like so many times throughout my life because mm-hmm. it is terrifying, but yeah. there's also, you know, as you get older and as, as I've gotten older and been able to intellectualize other things besides like just, and, and feel other things besides just the terror, um, you know, there's a lot of, depth there and and we can obviously we can get into that as we start getting into the movie a bit Mm -hmm. but i just think it's like a a really powerful movie let alone the horror aspect you can disregard that Mm -hmm. um and just as a as a drama and uh it's just incredibly well made by william friedkin and it is just i you know it is truly a film Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of horror movies i think you know not to disparage the genre but there's a lot of middling fair there i think yeah Uh, whereas this is really you know up there with the best movies ever made i I believe actually really quick it reminded me that roger ebert said that if the measure of a great movie is that it it takes you i'm paraphrasing but if the measure of a great movie is that it kind of takes you out of your life so that like for the two hours plus that you sit in the theater or watch the movie that you don't think about your own problems and then in that case, The Exorcist might be the greatest movie ever made. And I, I fully agree because when I watch that movie, no matter what I have in my own life in terms of stress or anxiety, it is uh, subsumed by what's happening in mm-hmm. Reagan's life and, and you know, the that family and that situation. So, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm also getting a little bit of allergies, too, by the way. So sorry if you do hear some uh, background sniffles on my uh, part. Um, and so you were very, pretty young when you watched this movie the first time being 10 years old. Um, I watched this movie definitely when I was a teenager. Um, and I remember wanting to watch this movie for a long time and I had already like been, uh, a, a horror movie fan at this point. I had seen a lot of like the more classics. Um, well, this is definitely considered like B classic, but like classics such as like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday, the 13th, Halloween, Um, being a name a few there. But I remember watching it later because I had heard the story from my dad. Um, My dad was like in his early 20s, I think when this movie came out, 1975 or something like that. Um, I don't know what year my dad was born. No, he must have been younger than that. Um, Anyways, um, and he took his then girlfriend at the time to go see this movie. And he told me that when she saw this movie, it this movie made her so sick to her stomach that she started like vomiting in the theater and he had to, to take her out of there. So I'm thinking to myself, like, what kind of movie is this that would like draw someone to like, yeah, like feel, feel so physically ill and that. So it, it kind of made me like scared to watch it. But by the time I was probably like maybe 14, 15, I finally like rented it. I think that was when we had um, the Blockbuster um, video like to go, like when it was like a Netflix kind of thing. I think I had, I had gotten it from there. I know it wasn't Netflix at the time. And I think the Blockbuster had probably closed at that point. Um, mm. And yeah, I I think because I was older and I had this expectation, I was definitely scared through a lot of it because that, especially as a modern person watching a movie in that seventies film style, like that's a really eerie way of like creating atmosphere in a movie. The way that they filmed this movie, um, like, and yeah, you
1: mean filming it in the seventies?
0: Well, like just this the style yeah. that William Friedkin <laughs> had of filming it was definitely. Um, it did a great job at um, playing up the scare factor and the fear factor of the movie, um, and it was really something that I hadn't really like noticed before in a lot of other movies. On that scene, it wasn't just like shock value for shock value. It was really like smart how they tied in the scares in this movie, and so I really appreciated that. But I think I definitely walked away from the movie thinking that like, wow, that is really scary. I can see why it was scary for its time, but also just also really appreciating like how good of a movie it was.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a slow burn. I don't. I wonder how like I. I don't. I'm not in touch with a lot of Gen Z folk and really just people younger than like you <laughs> so um, and i'm not
0: that much younger than you yeah
1: so you know be ready to join the old uh category soon i'm z. already old in but
0: comparison to gen z
1: <laughs> everyone is old compared to someone I, I actually, I, yesterday i actually said this to a uh, to a waitress i had who said she was 22 and i called her old relative to other folk
0: other folk being like our daughter
1: yeah exactly so yeah, it is. I'm wondering what you know how they would react to the movie today, given that it is from 1973. So it does have, you know, the 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 way that movies are made and edited specifically has changed drastically since then. And so
0: I know how they would react to it.
1: Do, there probably are like a lot of reaction movies out videos out there and TikTok and whatnot. Yeah,
0: they wouldn't be watching the movie like they would actually be watching it through their phones and filming a TikTok about it and putting a bunch of like audio and stickers on it. Yeah,
1: stickers. Yeah, um, which is. Just yeah I need a drink here and that um, <laughs> but it's uh yeah, I think that's why it, for me the horror is so effective and lasting because it's not at all gratuitous and it yeah. does it just it's told in a very grounded way even though you're dealing with things that are I guess depending on your belief system, but they are obviously um not you know your everyday things unless you know unless you're deeply Catholic which mm-hmm you know, that that, that's another reason why I think why it was effective for me, not that I'm deeply Catholic. I'm not probably Catholic. I mean, I'm not Catholic at all in the sense that I never go to church or anything, but Mm -hmm. I was baptized. I was born Catholic. And so there is this, I think, inherit inherent and inherited guilt that comes along with that. Mm -hmm. And, And this movie deals with that a lot. And, you know, just overall thematically, I think the thing that I find really fascinating about this movie and where I can't kind of square it with my own belief system is that like the movie ultimately to me is about the shortcomings of secularism and i I think Mm. i've talked to you about this probably a little bit in the past before Mm. when we've watched it but like just the fact that you know you have alan burson's character as a movie star um
0: interesting uh, choice for who like for that to be her career
1: uh well i think it's intentional Mm -hmm. uh again i don't i mean this is based on a book right yeah uh, so i I'm sure it's the same there but like the it's an interesting choice also even with how hollywood stars are regarded today mm-hmm. by certain sectors of the population as a sort of like you know the the, the liberal godless kind of society <laughs> um but they're, they're obviously not you know devout in any way they don't have any kind of they're secular so they don't have any kind of religious beliefs that gonna mm-hmm. kind of govern their daily lives um and you know when this stuff starts happening, where do they go? They go to the to doctors. They mm-hmm. go to all these different medical exams, and you know, these are just terrible things. They're like probing her, and it's just that's so Ugh. hard to watch. They're especially so hard to watch. You know, now you know it's always hard to watch. But he's thinking about it in the context of being a parent and having a daughter. It's like my mm-hmm. just you know, God forbid that. Um, ironically, yeah. I say this. Um, but like at at the end of all that, they didn't have any answers because those are the limitations and the shortcomings of like our sciences mm-hmm. and, and all the, the perceived like facts that we have. Well, I mean, maybe there is something out there that cannot be explained through that. And there's a ton of stuff, right. That science can't explain. Oh yeah. And I mean, so the science this is, in this movie could not explain. Yeah. And th- this is an exploration of that because like, I, obviously my, my whole life, uh, I've been at having varying degrees of doubt mm-hmm. about, the big picture stuff (laughs) and so um and much more fervently i think when i was younger and you know really kind of getting into this movie Mm -hmm. not when i was like 10 but in my teen years and into my 20s um and so but that's this movie always made me kind of question that about myself like Mm -hmm. because what how can you be so dogmatic about the absence of something when there's just no proof either way like there there has to be You have to allow for the possibility that, in circumstances that are just truly uh, unbelievable, that there could be something that you don't understand that is governing that. Mm -hmm. Um, And and Father, uh, from blanking on his name, it's the it's the senility. It's getting to me. The age. Um, the young. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. Yes. Um. You know, he's he's kind of questioning his own faith. And that's what yeah. that's why the movie's so brilliant, because he's the priest and he's also questioning it as well. And he mm-hmm. is a man of science, also, and he is disbelieving of of what he's being told as well. And so he's kind of representing that stance too, mm-hmm. but from the inside perspective, I yeah. mean he's a priest. <laughs>
0: I think that was one of the things that I really connected with in the movie was the fact that. Yeah, that Ellen Burstyn and Reagan's, um, or uh, Linda Blair's uh, Reagan and um, Chris Neal's characters, they aren't religious, at least like they never say that they are or anything like that. They say they don't, we know they don't go to church and things like that. And that was pretty much like my upbringing was that my family was not very religious. Um, they never really. Um, we, we never went to church at all. I went to like a couple like after school programs with some friends who, um, had families who were church goers, but it just wasn't for me because again, I didn't grow up with that. Um, and watching the movie as like a teenager and then seeing that and then knowing that, you know, it's more so in your favor if you are a Catholic family to get exercised. <laughs> um, it just kind of made me think like, well, what if I get possessed by a demon? Is my soul going to be saved? Like, could I, it it was it definitely like kind of freaked me out a little bit at that point. But, you know.
1: Is this why you refuse to get a Ouija board? This is
0: exactly why I refuse to get a Ouija okay. board. You we, know, you we know for a fact that if we got a Ouija board, if you went to Target and you bought a Ouija board, because yes, they are considered game boards. We all know this. Like, I would be the person to be possessed.
1: Well, with I'm, that attitude, yeah. Oh, like,
0: Not even just with this attitude. I would absolutely be the person to be possessed.
1: Also, it seems like we just found the solution to that, which is that you convert to Catholicism. (laughs) You get baptized. And then that way, if you do get possessed, we just call up the Catholic Church, uh, the Vatican, and they'll come and and do what they need to do.
0: I drink too much wine to go be a Catholic. Uh,
1: Excuse me? (laughs) That's all Catholics do
0: want to drink more wine because i'm being a catholic it's the blood
1: of christ it's literally like they baked it into their uh religious ceremony
0: okay well i'm also trying to be a low carb so i don't want to eat the crackers every sunday
1: i don't even know if those have carbs in them honestly i've never you know i never looked at the nutritional label of those wafers
0: i don't know it's 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 not for me but that's fair yeah
1: um Go on.
0: Well, I was just gonna say that, yeah, that I think that was, I think that's probably one of the more interesting things about the movie. And having seen it so many more times as an adult, um, that was something I picked up more on was that, yeah, this movie is essentially about, like, you know, is our is our faith really something that we like can have faith in? I guess at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's there's a lot. There's a lot there with the movie, which mm-hmm. is why I think it it endures more so than other. There's a lot of mm-hmm. movies that deal with certainly in the aftermath of The Exorcist. There's a lot of movies that deal with this subject matter, mm-hmm. but not none of them as as eloquently, I think.
0: Yeah, I remember a long time ago. I think it was well, not a long time ago. Like they was making, maybe like three or four years ago. I was listening to a podcast about like the making of The Exorcist, like the movie. Uh-huh. And it goes into talking about um, William freaking getting the, um, the script from Peter Blatty and how he was making the differences between the book and the screenplay. But then also talking about like all the creepy things that happened on set while they were filming this movie. Like at one point, I think they said that the set actually caught on fire, like the bedroom set. And there was a couple other I don't necessarily remember a lot of them now, but apparently a lot of accidents happen in the making of this movie, which is always like creepy when a movie involving like ghosts or demons or things like that, when things happen like that.
1: Yeah, and, and it's and it's expected because mm-hmm. you know you're opening yourself up to the to the spirit world. Yeah. Well, and I guess
0: <laughs> I, at one point, um at one point, I believe I remember um the person hosting the podcast was trying to reach out to the kid who was a little boy who inspired the book of the exorcist. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause it was a little boy um, who was like supposedly possessed and he got exercised eventually, but it did take a while. He actually got like confined to a, um, a Catholic hospital to be exercised daily because it just, the demon was not coming out. <laughs> But, yeah, you try to talk to him, and he's, like, kind of, like, in his 80s or something And by this point now because that was so long ago. But, um, yeah, the guy was not very happy that uh, a whole podcast was now being made about <laughs> a story that was inspired by him and his story.
1: What do you think about Pazuzu?
0: What do you think about Pazuzu?
1: When we get a Pazuzu lawn ornament?
0: No. What
1: about baby room?
0: No. Doesn't that demon terrify you? I mean because he's he's a a Syrian demon is So that's he?
1: why it Yes, yeah, so, well he's a Mesopotamian I think. But So like mm. that's and I I love obviously that's a personal thing tied to me yeah. my my kind of background. So the movie opens up with um Father Maris in Iraq. One second here, let me just check something for <laughs> Okay, we're good. Um, yeah, he's he's in Iraq on an archaeological dig, and uh, archaeology was a passion of mine when I was young. Um, and and they come across the mm-hmm. the they find this statue of this uh, ancient Mesopotamian, like
0: Father Marin, by the way, Father
1: Marin. Yeah. What did I say, Father Maris? Oh, I was going. I was. <laughs> it, it's a portmanteau of the two priests. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Um. And yeah, it's an incredible, one of the most incredible shots, I think, in all of cinema when he, (laughs) against the backdrop of the sun with the statue and the way he's, It's incredibly um, daunting. It really is. And then the music kicks in and then it's just, and then you cut to Philadelphia and it's like, what a way to open a movie and there's no, it's it's just so great.
0: It sends shivers down your spine. Like just the face off at that point as the dust collects in. Um, But also the statue itself, he's just, he's really terrifying looking. First of all,
1: well, I'm his, showing you his, his,
0: his junk is all out, like well, in full view, which is always not, not pleasant to look at.
1: It depends on your perspective, I think. Yeah. I, this statue, it's, a, it's an Assyrian bronze statue at the Pazuzu on the Wikipedia page. So, yeah, that's, you know, he's got like a,
0: this dog face. Sh- like,
1: should I get a Pazuzu tattoo?
0: No, no demons, Daniel. <laughs>
1: No demons. No, you're gonna at get all? this.
0: You're gonna get the Simpson rake tattoo. That's the only tattoo <laughs> you're gonna get. <laughs>
1: I do really want to do that. I mean, you should. It's not even gonna. help
0: people aren't. You can't do it while your mom's alive. Well, she will disown you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean,
1: she likes rakes.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. who likes rakes?
1: Uh, people <laughs> who dislike leaves mm-hmm. in their yard. I think that's a lot of people.
0: Yeah. Now, Pazuzu demon is terrifying. And even like not, like, they don't necessarily show like the full demon in this movie besides, you know, him possessing Reagan um, and in a statue form. But there are scenes where they show this like face that's all white out and it has this like sharp teeth. I think it's actually Father Karras in that makeup.
1: I think so. Those, those like one second, like, yeah, yeah the blips. blips. Terrifying. So scary. It's really great.
0: Yeah. What was your, um, what was the scariest scene for you in this movie? Like the scene that just like really stuck with you.
1: You you know what it is? This is funny, but it's not funny. Uh, The, so father Karis's mother in the movie, she, his mother's elderly and she's in a, she's living on her own and is, you know, he feels a lot of guilt about not being able to provide for her. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have enough money really to help her. Um, and so he ends up as her condition gets worse he ends up putting her in a like old person's home essentially like mm-hmm. a convalescent home um and that scene is so harrowing to watch because yeah. because also again this a lot of this is like personal ties to my life or my memories of mm-hmm. my life but like his mother in that movie i don't know why she doesn't necessarily look like like my grandmother but she reminds me a lot of my grandmother mm-hmm. um and you know, my grandmother spoke a lot of languages. English was like her seventh, eighth language, and so she had an accent when she would speak English. Not the same accent, obviously, as <laughs> as uh, Mrs. Karras. but um, yeah, there was just some similarity there. In, like, Loke and like look and uh, that. So th- it's it's this it's that combination of that scene of him leaving her in that convalescent home, and then the callback to it when they're doing the exorcist and exorcism. And you know, they're in the room with the demon or with possessed Reagan, and uh, she's she talks like his grandmother or his mother, rather. Mm-hmm. And she she says, Why you do this to me, Me Why? Oh. And that truly, like, really gets to my core. Like, you saying that
0: now just got to my core. Why you do this to me? Oh, <laughs> it, it's
1: it's um and it's that's harsh especially for people because yeah it's like a familial relationship thing Mm -hmm. and so if you're close if you especially if you're close to your parents your mother like and you understand like the the position that that man is in in that Mm -hmm. case because it's just absolutely heartbreaking and yeah so that's that's my vote over like and it's very psychological right it's not Mm -hmm. like the gross out scenes like i said i'm i'm somehow enticed and uh you know by by the bile and, and whatnot but (laughs) (laughs) Gross.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um before i go into like what scene um i find to be the most terrifying you know that uh, in that same scene i think it's the same scene where she or the date where pazuzu is doing that uh, why you do this to me a me voice or no i think it was actually a scene prior um where he the demon is basically give, like saying all these voices and then he also says the uh thing that the homeless man says like can you he help a poor old boy father uh-huh. Um, so if I remember from the podcast correctly, that was an actual like uh homeless man. He wasn't an actor. They I got him to say that in the movie. And he had this, if I remember correctly from listening to it, you guys should go listen to that. It's inside the exorcist from Wondery. I'm just gonna do a plug right there because it was actually really interesting. It's like a three part series or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I remember hearing that they had to reshoot that scene over and over again because the guy couldn't say can you help a poor altar boy father? I'm a Catholic. <laughs> like over and over and over again. Um, and I think they ended up like doing a voiceover of his voice, but they just shot him in the movie.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah. And I don't <laughs>
0: think the guy got any credits for being in the movie.
1: Well, what are you going to do? That's, you know, yeah. that's non, non-guild, you know, mm-hmm. that's the problem.
0: Yeah. I think one of my scenes that I found the most terrifying, and I still do to this day, and it's a, something that they don't ever really show in the... Like when they're showing the movie on TV, but it's the it's the crab walk down the stairs scene.
1: I think they don't. Show, I I know. Yeah, that that is terrifying. Mm-hmm. I think wasn't that part of the director's cut? It's part of the director's yeah, cut because they never the show theatrical. it on. Tele- it's
0: none of any theatrical. But yeah, that the first of all the um, effects that they do for this movie is just it's very very good. The way that they have her crawling down. I think it's a, a, um, I think it's a person like an actual person who's like maybe one of those, uh, Oh God, what do you call him? A contortionist. Yeah. I think it's like a contortionist going down the stairs, but then it's the scene where she opens up her mouth at the oh, end. Oh yeah. And like all the blood just like coming up of her face. And it's just, uh, yes. oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about it. That's one scene. Um, I mean, there's so many of them, but it's a
1: lot of unsettling, like just even, so the scene it's early in the movie where, uh, chris ellen burson's character is having mm-hmm. a party and it's you know that party oh, scene yeah, and yeah. everyone's having a good time they're singing they're drunk all that mm-hmm. and then she comes downstairs little reagan and
0: you're gonna die in there
1: yeah just really just just with a straight face just wide eyed you know, yeah. you're gonna die in there and then just pees on herself and on the floor and it's that's like harrowing to see
0: as a mother now if my daughter did that came into the room with that i don't know what i would think and i think ellen burston does a really great job of showing that like (laughs) distress when she's like oh my god what is happening to you um yeah i think i think that's probably seen as the the scariest one the crawling down the stairs scene but i mean there's also the actual like cross scene which i don't want to go into details for because that's just oh it's yeah yeah, yeah. it's vile yeah it's vile um yeah, this movie's just, it's so good. And
1: it is shocking. In 1973, you can see how that would be even more shocking because the things that it does build to, even though it does take some time, mm-hmm. um, the payoff is certainly there. Like, this is not tame stuff by any no, standards.
0: And I mean, the 70s kind of were, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of stuff happened in the 70s besides just in movies and whatnot. But in the movies in general, because there's a lot of movies that came out then that really were. Like, I don't want to use the word raunchy because that's not the right word, but just like really raw, like in a lot of things like Wes Craven came out with a couple horror movies in the 70s too. like there's this movie called The Last House on the Left, which is just horrifying to watch. I still cannot watch that movie to this day because it just involves a lot of things with like assault and yeah stuff like that I mean they
1: were you were coming out of the era of like of Vietnam and, and mm-hmm. the disillusionment of, of that and so you had a lot Mets of like murder yeah you had a lot of like really grounded gritty um um movies that were coming out that were yeah again they were they were kind of depicting a seedy underbelly of of mm-hmm. <laughs> of life um and really more interested in that in in, in a realistic way yeah I think uh, and then you know obviously outside of the horizon you people you know Martin Scorsese and Coppola and all these people Mm -hmm. doing things that speak to that as well.
0: Yeah, Um, I think we need to take a little break. Yeah, we need a
1: quick uh, Benadryl break, (laughs) and we're not sponsored, but you know, happy to consider that. I'm a Claritin guy, but I can be swayed. Um, (laughs) But yeah, well, let's let's take a quick break here, and we'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Uh, Snorted some. Benadryl, I'm not sure if that's how you're supposed to take it, but I've, I've heard, I, I, I'm hoping it's more effective more quickly. Um, so we'll see. Um, anyways, let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously we're talking about the exorcist. We really haven't talked too much about the subject of that uh, exorcism, who mm-hmm. is uh, Reagan, played by Linda Blair. I, I don't know, how, how old was she? When, do you know how old she was when she made this? Cause
0: very young. I think she was like 10. It's a
1: I don't know. Well, she's ten? I was thinking more like twelve or thirteen or something. Well we'll look it up, but it's regardless. Anything in that range, it's pretty wild that <laughs> that she was given the okay by her parents, you know, to to do that. It's you know, I don't know. I'm thinking about if uh if our if Emmy was into acting, mm-hmm. you know, and this script came to her. It's that's a great script. I mean, there's no yeah. denying that. It's like, I, I mean, I guess, you know, it's a movie ultimately. But...
0: Mm-hmm. She was 14 years old um, when she got casted as uh, Reagan. And I'm thinking back on that podcast again. It's like, it was really, it was really good. I really enjoyed listening to it. Um, She sounded like she was excited and that this was like a dream role for her that she wanted to play this character in this movie, which, you know, for a 14-year-old actor I mean maybe she was just super smart and thinking like this is going to be her breakout role I mean
1: well probably yeah. any any movie a big movie like that you know you kind of know it's going to be mm-hmm. a thing at least if you have an idea of who's making it and all that yeah um, that's a big deal mm-hmm. for sure And I mean
0: she definitely does a fantastic job at one not only being the young sweet girl but then transitioning from that into possessed reagan that we see in the movie i mean that's that's very challenging like to like progress into that yeah
1: but i don't know if she you said young and sweet it's impossible for me to view her that way knowing what happens to her and i'm wondering and that happened obviously that's the movie mm-hmm. but i'm wondering how that impacted linda blair's career in general because this is such a <sighs> seminal role and but she
0: was definitely typecasted
1: yeah, I don't. I don't know anything else she's done other than this and its sequels.
0: I don't think she really has done anything else. And I think if I, from what I remember from viewing her filmography years ago, and I can just look it up right now, but she definitely has not done nearly as much because this movie really limited what pe- what she could do. People just constantly associated her yeah. as the possessed girl.
1: She is. In a lot of horror movies that yeah. I've never heard of.
0: I think that's probably one of the problems with um, oh. horror movies is that sometimes people just get um, yeah, yeah tied into that genre.
1: But she is in a, a movie from 1979 called Roller Boogie that looks delightful. Look at a poster. Two people having a great time at a roller rink, I think.
0: <laughs> She's just missing the, uh, the devil oh, face. Oh, we got to watch this.
1: anyways yeah coming soon to uh shall we watch roller boogie yeah never heard of that interesting yeah i mean it's just she is she does an incredible job Mm -hmm. um and a lot of that obviously is attributed to you know incredible makeup work and things like that yeah and then
0: the makeup is so on point in this movie it really i think i think that was actually one of the reasons why i wanted to go into like special effects makeup at one point was be this movie being one of the biggest inspirations for that
1: you know, as impressive as uh, uh, Linda Blair's makeup work is, I feel like the makeup work done on on Father Marin mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. is even better just considering that like Max von Sydow was not that old. He was in his maybe 40s at this point. Mm-hmm. And, but he's playing an older per, uh, priest. And then when he became older, as he is now, it he looks, looks exactly, exactly the same. same. They it's... got it exactly right. It's like that those you know those filters on instagram or whatever yeah, or, TikTok, or TikTok. you know make yourself old but this was real application mm-hmm. of real makeup that they really got it
0: yeah because it takes more skill to do it physically than to just do it through an app
1: yeah for, for sure
0: <laughs> you know one of the things with um, this possession of pazuzu we We were talking at one point about like Ouija boards um, and why I wouldn't want one in the house. I mean, this movie is with the reason why I don't want a Ouija board in the house because that's literally how she gets possessed.
1: I understand that, but there are there's just no evidence that that actually is the case
0: What the heck are you talking? And about? let me present
1: let me present a filmic counter argument to this, which is the movie Only you. It's a 1994 romantic comedy starring Robert Downey Jr. and Marisa Tomei. It's
0: a fantastic movie.
1: Okay, directed by Norman Jewison. Anyways, there's a Ouija board in the beginning of that movie, and you know what happens? It leads to true love.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Well, in a roundabout way, it does. Spoiler because alert! It does. It does in a roundabout way. We, sh- you know, we're not. G- let's just make this a mini uh, episode about only you, because in that movie the Ouija board gives her a name. The name is Damon Bradley when she's like 12 years old and she's told that's the person she's going to marry and then, you know, it's like she's about to get married to some other guy and she's kind of settling and then lo and behold, out of the blue, some guy she's never heard of before called named Damon Bradley calls her apartment and he's in Italy and this sends her off on this journey to go find Damon Bradley and then she does. Well, she finds a man calling himself Damon Bradley.
0: Are Ouija boards supposed to Tell your fortune. I, I thought that Ouija boards were just meant for you to talk to ghosts or the or the dead.
1: You're asking, you're asking an interesting question. I,
0: I think I found a flaw in the movie. No,
1: it's not a flaw. Well, okay, let me just <laughs> let me just say this: the Ouija board is one element. Uh huh. The other element is there is a gypsy fortune teller that also gives her this name.
0: Okay, so it's not just the Ouija board, but
1: it, it was, yeah.
0: Okay, so the Ouija board was used by I'm gonna call this gypsy a professional and how to use it because she would know how. No, to No, block no, this out is demon separate. No, yeah. There.
1: No, it was separate. The, the, yeah the okay. kids were using the Ouija board. Anyways, it, this doesn't matter. What the point is that it can be. Used, <laughs> You're not helping your argument. I'm, here. I'm saying I'm using this as an example of like, okay, you can invite demon, but you can also invite Robert Downey Jr. and I feel like that's a fair trade-off.
0: If I got a Ouija board and Robert Downey Jr. came through the Ouija board, I would be one happy lady. Well, he won't
1: come through it. It's not like a <laughs> portal, um, but, you know, it could potentially. <gasps>
0: what if you got a Ouija board and you get possessed by Robert Downey Jr.?
1: Possessed by Robert Downey Jr.? I I mean, I guess that'd be cool.
0: I mean, that's kind of the combination of the two movies that you're trying to <laughs> compare to right now.
1: Yeah, it's not an apt comparison. I'm just saying that, like, you're tirade against the ouija board is entirely unfounded
0: it's not unfounded because i don't want to be possessed by a demon that's
1: got nothing to do with it you could be possessed by a demon just by talking about demons as you are right now
0: demons 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 Yeah. oh my god it's like beetlejuice (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) in any case um yeah pazuzu you were saying something too about uh pazuzu's voice and because obviously linda blair there's a lot of like you know special effects going on with Mm -hmm. the sounds that she's making like i know they use like lion sounds and just Mm -hmm. different different animal sounds to kind of recreate the the noises that are kind of terrifying
0: make it more demonic sounding yeah um so the actual like speaking voice of pazuzu was not done by reagan it was done by a radio actress um named mercedes came mccambridge i think was i believe it was her name um and that's a very. It's when I was listening to that podcast, it was very interesting to learn about this. And again, this is. I'm going to assume this is all from William Freakin's point of view. Um, Mercedes never got like credit for doing that voice until like later in in life, essentially. Um, according to William Freakin, he said that you know Mercedes came up to him and said, "Don't put my name on there. It's going to ruin." the credit for that little girl, like trying to make it sound like, sh- like she's being the bigger person and saying, you know, I just did the voice, give her all the credit. But and lo and behold, the movie comes out. She doesn't have screen credit and she wants to go ahead and sue William Freakin
1: really? for
0: not doing that. Um it's a very interesting thing. And I mean guys, she a talented voice actor, um but to do that voice, she had to like smoke. Like, she became like a huge chain <laughs> smoker. She was drinking constantly just to get like that guttural, deep throaty like sound from her voice.
1: It sounds like my dream job.
0: <laughs> constantly be smoking and drinking just to like give a demonic voice.
1: That's the American dream. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's that, that puts a lot of strain on your body. And she was like already like pretty well in her age i remember like thinking i think she was like almost like in her 60s at that time i don't really know actually
1: yeah that's that is interesting um you never think about the uncredited voice actors i know that happens a lot in musicals especially Mm -hmm. in the early days of musicals when they would you know who who are they casting that uh, that can't sing well um well isn't in a in *My Fair Lady*, it's not Audrey Hepburn singing, right?
0: No, nope, but I believe it's Julie Andrews.
1: Yeah, right. Well, she was the was project. Like she starred in the Broadway show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so strange. I mean, again, we're getting way off the track yeah. here with that. But that—that that is so strange to me because Julie Andrews is beautiful. I, I know she's not. She wasn't Audrey Hepburn in terms of mm-hmm. star power at that time. But it's just an interesting. Um,
0: they did the same detail. thing in. Um... I think it was the k and I they also yeah, that, did the same thing too. I think it was also Julie Andrews was it? I think so i I have to double check, but yeah, I think it was the same thing, and I mean, that's basically what the story of singing in the rain is about,
1: right <laughs> yeah um sorry yeah. the 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 <laughs> not kicking in yet
0: <laughs> um, yeah i I honestly like especially now looking back on um the movie as a mom, like I just feel so terrible for reagan like i can't imagine like what she could be going through but also like feeling so much for um chris mcneil in that movie
1: yeah i mean especially you know where's where's the father in this right Mm -hmm. he's he's never he's never around yeah um and so she's kind of navigating these waters on her own and fortunately there's some priests in town who
0: very coincidental right
1: well they're in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, that's it's, true. It's uh it's an old. There's, there's a lot of priests there, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, this are what are the scenes are there that like? I mean, the whole. I guess the exorcist, the whole sequence, is something. It's something. Mm-hmm. I mean,
0: well, that actually you just made me think of an interesting point. I think it's interesting that the movie is called The Exorcist, but we really don't see the exorcist until like the last hour of the movie. Not even hour. It's like maybe like the last like. Thirty-ish minutes of the movie.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a good point. I, I think earlier I said the subject. The, I talked about the Exorcist title and in mm-hmm. the subject being Linda Blair, but that's obviously the subject of the exorcism. But the mm-hmm. Exorcist himself is his father, Marin. Yeah, and yeah, he is. A, it's a very interesting like dynamic because he is in the beginning. Obviously, we see him. He has this history that we just don't know about, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, they try to explore it in like the Exorcist beginnings or something. Well, there wasn't there like a a prequel that told the father Marin story.
0: Yeah. I think it was like the, yeah, I think it was called exorcist beginnings. Yeah.
1: And you know, that's the other thing to talk about too with this. Like, so we have the exorcist believer out, Mm -hmm. haven't seen it yet. So I can't say, but obviously the critical reception has not been great. Yeah. The, the audience reception doesn't seem to be that strong. And so, um, it, this is now what the fifth or sixth time they've tried to do a direct sequel or prequel to this franchise Mm -hmm. and
0: but it's, they're kind of doing like what um they did with Halloween, where they pretty much are erasing all of the other movies and s- kind of starting over with this one.
1: This, well, how can that be? Chris McNeil is a character in it.
0: Well, no, I'm saying after the first movie, they're erasing all oh, of the other oh, movies. Right.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's interesting, the Halloween comparison, because it's the same uh, director. Yeah. What's uh David? Gordon Green, I believe.
0: Yeah. And, and I think Danny McBride's also producing this one as well. He also produced the and, um, Halloween you one. You know,
1: not to... Uh, I liked Halloween 2018. I, I did, think too. We, in It was really, I think, successful for what it uh, was trying to do. And it was a good way to go back into that world. Um, But Halloween Kills... Was that the second one?
0: Yes. And I don't remember what the third one was called.
1: Halloween <laughs> Forever, maybe. I think it's what I... I is I so Halloween Ends? Halloween Ends, yeah. That that sounds right. Yeah. Anyways, so
0: Halloween, you know, like the, the second
1: movie of that trilogy, it, it was truly <laughs> bafflingly... like.
0: It was laughable.
1: It was just... I just thought it was terrible. Um,
0: well, what pissed me off about that was that it basically was very similar to the second movie that they were really trying to not make it like Where Jamie Lee Curtis is literally just in a hospital and unable to move, the entire movie. Yeah,
1: and just the whole thing with the the townspeople are gonna are actually the. It was just kind of ridiculous, and so the angry mob. I'm saying, yeah. So those movies, I think, out of the three, there's one that's successful, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of its filmmaking, and then the other two are are just progressively, I think, worse get worse. Mm -hmm. And so, why you wouldn't trust this franchise, which apparently was uh what's um they paid four hundred million dollars for the right to own the license or for the, the million That's the number that I saw um bandied about. That's and crazy. so like if you're if you're doing that and you're uh, is it Warner Brothers? I can't recall what studio is putting out Believer.
0: I believe it's Warner Brothers, but real quick while you're looking that up. Oh, it's it um, is universal. Oh, that makes sense. It's actually it actually is a Halloween Hornets yeah, this yeah. year. I shouldn't, yeah. Um you were just mentioning that, you know, this being like the the with the Halloween movies, like it being like one of three movies and then one of them being successful. that kind of just made me think that, yeah, this kind of seems to be a trend with a lot of these like trilogy movies, is that the first one seemed to always be good, at least have a reboot, but then the following ones after are not great um like for example the star wars recent trilogy of Episode seven through nine
1: yeah that's a good example or is there another one that i can't think of any i, I was like... gonna say creed i mean creed Creed's... the first creed is definitely better than creed 2 and yeah. i actually didn't see creed 3 so
0: yeah, did i um i would i'm gonna go ahead and just say the ant-man movies because i actually liked the first ant-man i did not like the oh. second well, one. well that's not
1: those aren't like a reboot of something
0: no they're not but i'm just thinking like trilogies like in general
1: yeah definitely i i I don't it doesn't seem like this one follows that same pattern because believer doesn't seem to be very successful oh um
0: the poltergeist trilogy the The, the third and the second one well the second one was scarier but the story was really weird
1: but you're talking about the original yes the original yeah so yeah those are that's a little different, right? It is a little it, different. Yeah. So. They re- They did remake the Poltergeist. I think they also did. With and Sam it had a Sam
0: Rockwell in it. It was okay. I didn't see it. It was okay. Not I'm not a
1: huge fan of the Poltergeist. I've never. I am. Yeah. No, but... I, I appreciate it for what it is, but yeah. yeah, I just it is strange like that they would again. I can't comment on it because I haven't seen the movie, but it, uh, and that they've committed to like a trilogy again because the first one's Believer, mm-hmm. second one's called Deceiver, apparently um so i i am curious to see this but it again back to like the original points like how many times are they going to try to go back to this well and not do it successfully because Mm -hmm. this movie is um it's just so far and above what any of the others come close to Mm -hmm. and not just its direct its own direct sequels but any other exorcist movie like the exorcism of emily rose or Mm -hmm. The Pope's Exorcist, which, you know, again, we, we go back to <laughs> Our that. Lost episode. Yeah. Um, so all these movies, it's like man, it's it, it's really difficult uh, mm-hmm. to do this.
0: There was a movie, I just had it on the tip of my tongue, a movie that uh, what was it? It was a it was a reboot of one of these original horror movies that it recently had a... Oh, Evil Dead.
1: Yeah. yeah so the 2013 th- or something?
0: Yeah. Remember we watched that one? And it was actually like really... Like to me, it was like a lot. It was really gruesome, really gory. Um, But I thought it was actually for like a reboot. I thought it was also really like scary. I thought it was a good reboot for that. And, and I haven't seen this uh, second one that came out like earlier this year. I think it was. But I know it's not a trilogy, but as far as it being like a reboot of an older, like horror movie genre, I thought it was actually pretty good.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I'd I'd never even seen the original, so I I can't compare.
0: The original ones were more campy. Yeah. Like really, really campy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. With the, you know, Top Gun Maverick being as successful as it was in in doing that same thing. And then uh, what Indiana Jones came out this year and tried again to... We're seeing this a lot where it's just kind of rekindling old. We're seeing it in Mm -hmm. TV. I mean, Frasier just came back um, to to Paramount Plus, I think. And I I heard a rumor that Jerry Seinfeld is saying, oh, Seinfeld's not done, which I think would be fantastic. That should definitely come back. But but it it is interesting. They could be good. I mean, Top Gun Maverick is fantastic, in my opinion, um, and better than the original. Mm -hmm. But it seems like for The Exorcist, it's just, this is just one of those, it's just a project that, you know, you can't, nothing could ever come close to what it is. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, in my mind, it's it's up there with, like, The Godfather and movies of that caliber. And so, you know, you don't see people trying to remake The Godfather. No. I mean, it probably will happen. At some there, point. There was a, Param- I think it was Paramount Plus show a couple of years back with Miles Teller where they're telling the story about the making of The Godfather. Mm-hmm. Um, which called The Offer, which I didn't watch, but it, it sounded somewhat interesting, but not enough to compel me.
0: Well, it definitely is going to be coming in the future soon because they're already talking about remaking the um, Lord of the Rings series.
1: Yes. And that, that's not
0: that, that's not even that old. It, I don't even think... It's not even 20 years old yet. Or is it? Is it uh, 20 years old?
1: I think the first one came out in 2001. God, I'm old. All- <laughs> yeah no but those those movies are also good examples of like how could you how could it improve on what was done if you're mm-hmm. retelling the same story because what peter jackson did i think is unmatched uh, in movies of that scale mm-hmm. and that kind of epic fantasy because it just looks incredible obviously a lot of it shot most of it shot on location in new zealand so mm-hmm. you know you see that and compare it to the hobbit movies and the hobbit movies had bigger budgets and you know, technology had advanced and so they, they leveraged that, but to, to not, I think success, Mm -hmm. um, it it doesn't, they don't look as good, not even let alone the fact that the stories aren't as good. That's a a separate issue. Yeah. The, the, but the movie making isn't the same
0: movie making is definitely not the same. I mean, to be honest with you, I did not like how like smog looked at that. It It didn't, it didn't look very like good. And even like the whole scenes of the gold and, anything that had to do with water it just seemed like it was very it it looked like cgi yeah
1: it, it just pales in comparison to what we see in lord of the ring and the uh, yeah lord of the rings trilogy mm-hmm. and so i am very uh, dubious about the prospects of the remake especially if and i don't think he will be peter jackson will not be involved and so no i don't think um, he would want to be you know we i, I don't they, think,
0: he wasn't even really a part of the amazon series right
1: i don't think so mm. i don't yeah i don't and we know we should we we should watch that like i we watched the first two episodes i didn't hate it
0: i'll watch it now that it's like all the episodes are out because now i feel like i could watch it i don't think it was grasping me enough to like anticipate every new episode coming out yeah i mean
1: that was like two years ago too it so,
0: was like, so long ago but know. anyways is there anything more you want to talk about with the exorcist
1: yeah, who's the woman?
0: The woman.
1: There who's is it her assistant? I've never understood. It probably is her assistant.
0: But... Oh, um. Yeah, that I believe that is her I think that is her assistant, the younger one, right? Because there's actually yeah. there's two yeah. women. There's, well, there's the there's housemaid the housemaid, and then there's the like handyman, Carl, the one who's like, oh, There's yeah. no rats in the attic. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think that's her assistant.
1: I'm yeah. Pretty sure. I've never, I've never really been clear on that, but they don't I guess really, in the they're context, not, they're not
0: very clear on it because it's not really—it's
1: not important. You're saying?
0: Well, <laughs> not that she's not important, because I'm sure her job is very important. But as far as like you know, what the big picture is, her
1: job is important. Sure. I, I think you know, maybe we'll get a prequel series for her one day.
0: Maybe. I mean, the way
1: things are going,
0: they've done prequel series for smaller roles, so
1: yeah. No, I think I just, you know, again, obviously if you haven't seen it, what are you doing?
0: What are you doing?
1: Go see it. I I don't, I think it's streaming on H on max right now. I, I'm not even sure we have it obviously on, we have the director's cut Blu-ray and Mm -hmm. then I have the regular DVD, which I I used to, I used to have, you know, the DVDs in my room and when Mm -hmm. the box was out, it would scare me because it's just that image of Linda Blair's face. And so, um, yeah. just
0: stare into your soul through that is terrifying.
1: Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, there's no better movie I think to watch for, for Halloween season. Mm-hmm. There's more fun movies, obviously. If you want to have a, a slasher on or things that are you know, can be a little bit funny, but in terms of just pure quality yeah. of horror movies, uh, this is the pinnacle.
0: This is definitely um in our rotation of movies to watch during this season. Um it just never, it just never gets old for me to watch it every year.
1: Um, what age do you think we're gonna show Emmy The Exorcist?
0: Well, considering that we were both pretty young when we both started watching like horrorish movies, I think I'm okay with her watching it like ten or eleven.
1: Ten or eleven.
0: Why? What do you think?
1: I was thinking like five or six.
0: Mm, I don't even think she'll understand what's going on <laughs> because she'll be too busy playing you, with her. You
1: don't have to understand it. That's what's <laughs> great. You you can just, you'll feel it. Mm. You'll feel that terror and that d- dread.
0: Well, we have a long ways from both of those ages, so.
1: I guess. We'll see. But she she is kind of running ahead of the curve on something, so. Oh, my
0: God, yeah. I mean, she's already standing. She's going to be eight <laughs> months next week, and I feel like she's already going to be walking by 10
1: yeah it seems that way but yeah we gotta get a baby gate (laughs) we do or we just put on the exorcist and then she'll stay out of the area (laughs) sure (laughs) we can try it anyways but yeah yeah no i mean there's not you know too much to say obviously we didn't want to like do the deep analysis of the movie and, and go see my scene or whatever like it's just you know the movie's it's been out for 50 five years Mm -hmm. or so uh so uh, that's not right i can't do math it's 50
0: yeah it's 50 and it's it's such a great movie on its own it doesn't like to me it never needed any of those sequels but you know no one's gonna base that on my opinion
1: wasn't the third one considered good or at least in, in like revisionist yeah, Terms. so
0: the third one, this is why you and I watched the yeah. third one because it was actually well regarded by critics at the time. But when we watched it, we were like, What the heck is going on? I you didn't know what was happening. It was he... following the detective.
1: Yeah, who's a really great character, by the way. We didn't he's touch on great him like a not He's, yeah, he's just another one of those wrinkles that's like, This movie has no business having this, but it does have it because it's mm-hmm. like a
0: good. I actually, yeah, I, um, I feel bad that we never really talked about him because he's, in mean, fact, that he's always talking about the boxer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's great, mm-hmm. and just even the ending. I mean, ending on that note of him, yeah. you know, having the same conversation that he had with with uh, with Maris, mm-hmm. it's uh, Karis rather. Yeah, it's really easy to get those names confused.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I think we have to stop before I just. Yeah, Daniel's I mean, Daniel's dying. <laughs> I'm not. I just don't understand. Like,
0: it's the window, babe. The window's open and it's breezy. And...
1: Why, okay, let me ask this. Uh-huh. Why do we have windows? You
0: know? Oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> you you can answer that hypothetical question, but like, uh-huh. this reminded me that we did try to watch a movie in which that featured no windows. Oh yeah. So I don't know if anyone out there has heard about Skidamarink. We might have mentioned it in a previous podcast, but like, this is a it's a horror movie that came out last year is like a shutter production mm-hmm. so really small indie movie had really strong reviews mm-hmm. and it was apparently incredibly scary and so, so we're like well let's, it's an experimental movie let's just check it out it's on hulu um and yeah i <laughs>
0: talk about a disappointment i just didn't
1: like we gave it 30 minutes i was like okay it's filmed in such a style that's like, you know, it's intentionally grainy and it just looks really bad. It, it kind of hurts your eyes to be honest. Um, but I was willing to go for it if something was happening, but nothing happened at the 30 minute mark. It's like literally nothing has happened yet.
0: It's literally one of those movies. That's like a version of like, like handheld camera, but also it has that flare of like that, that internet horror vibe, like, I forget what that term is called, but it was trying to be like spooky in a way that was like, un, like unnerving, not necessarily like pop out scary.
1: Yeah, which is great. I love like, unnerving kind of slow builds, mm-hmm. atmospheric stuff. A lot of stuff we talked about with The Exorcist, I think, but I, I just, I couldn't get through it, so. Yeah,
0: because also it was the film footage itself. It was grainy yeah, and it, it, it was hurting our eyes. It,
1: it certainly was, yeah. and uh, yeah, so, you know, Maybe pass on Skin of Mering, Uh or don't actually give it a, give it a shot. Maybe you'll, you'll find something in it that we didn't. Yeah. And but
0: if, if you guys um, think it's really something that we should watch, like let us know. But if not, you know, tell us about other movies that you think we should be watching. Yeah.
1: And, and if you're just looking for a good Halloween movie to put on, you know, check out the exorcist.
0: Yeah. All right. We are going to go ahead and wrap up. Make sure to follow us on all of our social platforms. They will be linked in the description. And thanks for joining us on this episode. Bye. Bye.